0: Please open your Bibles to John chapter 14. We have finished up with chapter 13, the last time that we were together and we saw how Jesus was uh, sitting down to, uh, to supper with his disciples at what we know of as the Last Supper, and he has shown them. What it is to be a servant, he has revealed to them that one of them would betray him, and he has told Peter that Peter was going to deny the fact that he ever even knew Jesus. Now, of course, at this point, we know who it is that would betray Jesus. It was Judas Iscariot, but the rest of the disciples did not know this. Um, His disciples had no clue of who it was that was going to betray Jesus, but now Judas has left the room and But even with that, the disciples were just thinking that Judas had left to go buy some food or left to go give something to the poor. They had no clue that Judas was the one that was going to betray Jesus at this point. We also studied in chapter 13 how um, Jesus had left them with a new commandment. It was a commandment in which he told them to love one another in the way that he had loved them. And at the end of chapter 13, he told them that he was going away. He said that he was going to a place where they could not follow him right now, but that they would be able to follow him there at a later time. So you see, at this point in our study, we see that this was a very difficult time for the disciples of Jesus. But it was also a very difficult time for Jesus as well, because he knows that his Uh, Hour has come. He is only a very short time away now from being captured and being condemned to death. But the amazing thing is, is that even in the midst of all of this, in spite of all of this heartache, no, no matter how difficult this time was, Jesus still takes time to comfort his disciples. And here in verse 1 of chapter 14, Jesus says to them, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So you see, Jesus comforts his disciples by telling them that their hearts do not need to be troubled. He knows that they trust in God and he assures them that they can trust in him. But you see, the reason that they don't have to be troubled within their hearts is stated by Jesus in verse 2. He says, In my Father's house, Are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. So Jesus here is telling them that the place where he is going is back to heaven. And he gives them here a little insight as to what heaven is. There are many dwelling places, mansions, he says. And Jesus was going back to heaven to get those places all set up for those that would believe on him. You see, for the first 30 years of his earthly life, Jesus was was raised up as a skilled carpenter in the flesh. So can you imagine what we have waiting for us when we get in heaven? You know, I quote this uh, verse often, but let's go ahead and turn there, because I'd like for you to, to to see this for yourself. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians is to the right of the Gospel of John. It's right after the book of Romans. You'll find uh, 1 Corinthians, and it's obviously before 2 Corinthians, so if you hit 2 Corinthians, you went too far. But we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to go ahead and look down at verse 9. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So you see, Jesus left a commandment. He left the commandment for his disciples, but ultimately through his word today, he leaves his that same commandment to everyone that is a follower of his. And that is the commandment to love. Okay, and then he says he's going to prepare a place. He's going back to heaven. He's going back to the to the father where he said there are many mansions and he's going to prepare a place. For us, for those that are his followers, that are his disciples, that believe on his name. And here we see in 1 Corinthians, in regards to to what lies ahead for us, that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man. So you see, we have no comprehension of what lies ahead. No comprehension of how wonderful and how awesome heaven is going to be. We haven't comprehended the things which God has prepared for who? For those who love Him. Now, that word prepared there, here in this verse, is the same exact word in the original language that Jesus used back in John chapter 14, verse 2, when He said that He was going to prepare a place for the disciples. And that word prepare there is a word that means to make things ready. Or to get things all set up. Well, you see, all the preparations that Jesus has made for us in heaven, this verse tells us that we will have never seen anything like it, have never heard of such things, and will never be able to imagine them within our hearts. And all of those preparations have been made for the people that love God. Let's go ahead now. And turn back to John chapter fourteen. We're going to continue in verse three, and as we and I'm just going to um, you know divert here a little bit and tell you that by the time we get up uh, through chapter fourteen and on into chapter fifteen, you're going to see what it means to love God. You're going to see uh, how we practically today show our love for God. But let's just continue on here in verse three. Jesus says, okay, so I'm back in John chapter 14, verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So again, Jesus is just further assuring his disciples here, that not only will will he prepare a place for them, but he will also receive them unto himself and they will forever be with the Lord. But here again, it's important that you keep in mind that we have the word of God today that as modern day disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, these things apply to us as well. And he says in verse four, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? So, um, I love the examples here that as you read through the New Testament, uh, as you read through especially the four Gospels, I love the examples that the disciples of Jesus are to us today as we read about them. You see, these guys were not guys walking around with halos over their heads. They were not holier-than-thou kind of guys. um, They were like a a ragtag bunch of just ordinary folk. And Thomas here is much like all of us. We sometimes just don't get it. You see, after spending three years, day and night, with Jesus, Thomas and the rest of them are still in many ways clueless. But you know, the good news is that Jesus doesn't expect us to know it all. He understands that when it comes to our comprehension of, of heaven, our comprehension of eternity, we all fall short. We can never be knowledgeable enough to be righteous. It doesn't come down to that. It's not about how much we know. It's not about us attaining to something. It's not about, uh, you know, we become better than everyone else around us. It's not about us at all. It's all about Jesus. That's what it all comes down to. It's not about who we are. It's about who He is. And that's what Jesus tells them here in verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus is the only way into heaven, and because of the fact that the disciples knew Jesus and believed on Jesus, Jesus is telling them, "Hey, you know the way because you know me, I am the way. I am the truth, I am the life. And you know, so many people, even today, are trying to find their way through this life. but Jesus is the way so many people go on a quest to find the truth but jesus is the truth and without jesus we can never really know what true life is all about because without jesus everyone is spiritually dead because of sin but we are made alive in jesus christ let's let's look at a, a few scriptures that speak to this fact let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians is to the right of the Gospel of John. It's between Galatians and Philippians. Um, We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to start reading in verse 1. I'm going to read probably about 9 verses here or so. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you He made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. you got to think about these scriptures as we read them. You know, it's good to, I'm going to pause right here and tell you, it's good to to meditate on the Word of God. Take and, and, and read a verse a couple of times if you have to. It's telling us here that there is, that we were once dead in our trespasses and our sins. Because we once walked in accordance to uh, the ways of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. Who is that? Prince of the power of the air. Well, he's the same one spoken of in in Corinthians, where it says that he is blinding the eyes of people that they will not see the truth of the gospel, and he is called here the Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, and he is the same one that filled Judas's heart to cause Judas to go head out and betray Jesus. Okay, now verse three continues on among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Now you see, I want to pause right there through too. I want to tell you, we all have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. There is no one that can claim righteousness. And when someone comes to a place where they think they've arrived and they're better than someone else, they're forgetting where they came from. Because all of us have conducted ourselves in one way or another in the lust of our flesh. It says, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, I love that. That's such a huge statement right there. But God, you see, after all of that, even though we're disobedient, even though we've walked in the lust of our flesh and fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us, In Christ Jesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So when we come to Christ, we don't come to him because we are worthy to come to him. We come because we understand that we are dead in our sins and our trespasses and we need new life. We need to be born again and we need that life that Jesus Christ offers us as the way, the truth, and the life. That abundant life. It's it's very simple. And when we come to Jesus, we are then made alive in Christ. And all of this happens How? It's the result of God's grace. But we receive it, how? By faith. It says right there, we just read it in in, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved, through faith. It's something that we receive by faith. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them. I know this about heaven but I'm and I'm walking by faith till I get there. That's what that's that's the the um the vehicle if you will that God has given us to get to him, to know him. It's about faith. And each one of us has a measure of faith that we can come to God and then we grow in our faith as we study the word of God. Romans says faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of god so in other words we are growing in our faith as we hear as we read as we study the word of god it's just like a newborn babe the bible says to as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby so as we as we come to the bible as we open it up as we begin to study it and that's why i i i um you know go to such great lengths to be very detailed about teaching the Bible and believe me I'm I fall short in how detailed it really is because the Bible as you've heard me say uh, we can read in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 the Word of God is a living active word there's no way that I can put it all up in one little teaching and, and give it to you there's no way that any of us can can put it all in one little box. The power of the Word of God. We have it right here in one Bible that we have in front of us. But the power of it, the work and its effects, we can't harness. Because its effects go out and and it does things in our hearts. I really encourage you to read that verse, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and, and meditate on that. But you see, all of this happens as a result of God's grace. We did not deserve it. We did not, we cannot earn it. No religion, no church we join. N- there's no way that we can do anything good enough. We all have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. It's not our works that makes us righteous. It's a free gift. But you know what? It was a free gift. But it cost Jesus everything. It cost Him His life to purchase us, to redeem us by His blood. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter is to the right of where we are now. You'll find uh, 1 Peter right after the book of James. 1 Peter, and we're going to look down at verse 18. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. You see, the just one, Jesus, he suffered for us, the unjust ones, that he might bring us to God. That was his purpose, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. You see, and that is exactly what happens when a person is born again. They've come and they've placed their lives into God's hands, into the Lord's hands. They've surrendered their life. They say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not good enough to do it. I, you know, oftentimes, you know, I've been walking as a, a follower of Jesus for 24 years, and you know, I remember back when I first came to that place. You know, when I began to read the Bible and began to, to grow in the knowledge of the Lord and to understand the truth about His Word and and who He really is. You know, I remember when I first came to that place. It, it was kind of like you know i had gotten some type of disease and all of a sudden as as i began to to mention the lord it was like people began to to peel away and and to to shy away from from me because of that fact but it wasn't that i had come to a place where where i was better than anyone else i had actually come to a place where i realized how wretched i was how much I needed a Savior. It wasn't a matter of coming to religion. It was a matter of coming to to realize that that I was despicable, that that I needed a Savior because I was dead in my sin. And that's each and every one of us. You see, at one time, we've walked in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, or the pride of life but when we come to Christ we're saying hey i repent it's not about me anymore and when that when we get there Christ by the holy spirit comes and indwells us and we're going to talk about that too here in a future study but the holy spirit comes within us and we are made alive in the spirit just like we just read here in verse 18 put to death in the flesh but made alive By the Spirit. Now, obviously, it's not talking about being physically put to death in the flesh. It's just saying, hey, I'm not run by this flesh anymore. I'm dead to me. I'm I'm alive now to Jesus Christ. When we studied uh, John chapter 10, we saw where Jesus said that, that he came that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. You see, it's it's very obvious that all of us uh, have a physical life, right? Where our our hearts are are pumping blood, we're we're breathing air, but what we really need is that abundant life within our spirit that only Jesus gives to us, and and when He comes in, we find peace, you know. Let's go ahead and turn there. Let's turn to John chapter 10. I know we just studied it a few weeks back or so, but let's turn to John chapter 10. And we're going to look at verse 10. It says, The thief... This is Jesus speaking. He says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. He's speaking of all of us. We are the they. He's come that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. But like I said, there is an enemy. There is an enemy to our souls. He desires that you would be lied to, that you would be destroyed. But the other side of the story is that we have a Savior who offers the total opposite. He offers abundant life, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. And a person must make a choice. They must make a choice as to who they will serve you got to take a stand. There really is no such thing as straddling the fence when it comes to where you are with the Lord. You must choose to surrender and commit your life to Christ, or otherwise you will be led by that Satan. (laughs) You'll be led by the one who is blinding the eyes of people The one who is the the thief that comes to to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now you may say, Well, I'm not a Satan worshiper. No, it's not about that. But there's only, there's only God in in his word, God says, Behold, I set before you death and life. Choose life, he says. Choose life. And that, that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, too. They had a choice. God gave him a choice. Why? Many people say, well, why'd God even, why did God even give us that choice? Well, because he loves us. That's why. He didn't create slaves. He didn't create robots. He doesn't force us. What kind of love is it when you force someone to love you? God's not that way. He He loves us so much, he first gave us a choice. And then when we blew it, He loved us so much. He couldn't stand it. He couldn't stand being away from us. He loved us so much that again, he gave us his only begotten son. He himself, God became flesh. Now you can go back and read John chapter 1, and I encourage you to do that. But in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You see, and then in chapter 1, it goes on to say there, John, it goes on to say that the Word became flesh. God so loved the world. He loved us. He gave us another chance. But that's it. This is our last chance. It's choose Jesus or choose an eternity separate from God. Satan, though, desires to keep you from knowing all of this. He desires to keep you from knowing the abundant life that is in Jesus Christ. And he'll do anything to distract you from it. But you know, that's why I'm always pointing you back to the Word of God. Because this is the only place where we can find out the truth about God. The world will twist this. There have been many people that have come and taken the Scriptures and have twisted them and have made them say what they want to say, taking it out of context, that's why it's important that you go back, and you read it, and you know it for yourself. And as we turn back now to John chapter 14, let's continue on with our study here. Jesus, So Jesus tells the disciples that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And then in verse 7, He says, If you had known Me, You would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. You see, this is another very clear statement as to the divinity of Jesus Christ. He was there in their presence as God in the flesh. But here again, we see in verse 8 an example of. Like I said, I, I, I love the example. I love the way the disciples are because they're much like all of us. Philip says in verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. So, you know, you almost want to say, wow, how can Philip say such a thing? Well, the truth is, we all probably would have said the same thing. But you know, Jesus wants us trusting in what he has said to us in his holy word. We are called to be a people that walk by faith and not by sight. Philip's saying, show us the Father, and that'll be sufficient for us. But Jesus says to Philip in verse 9, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? You know, there are millions of people that profess Christianity today. All over the place, there are mega churches here in the United States that are even filled with thousands of people that in many ways, they don't even open their Bibles. And they don't even know these truths about Jesus Christ. He is God. He is not just a good man. He was not just a great prophet. When the disciples saw Jesus, they saw the very face of God. You and me today have not yet had the privilege to see him with our eyes, but we will when we get to uh, heaven. But you know, Jesus says in uh, John chapter 20, and, and you'll see that when we get there, but he says, blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. It's a very powerful verse of scripture in John chapter 20. Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. That's you and me today. We haven't seen him, but yet we believed, And there's a blessing in that. There's a blessing in walking by faith. There is joy and there is peace and there is a contentment that you have within you when you surrender your life by faith to Jesus Christ. And you take your eyes off of everything else. And it's hard. It's hard because this world pulls at us every which way. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, all these things. The pride of life, you know, is where we say, you know, I can do this on my own. I don't need a God. You know, I was that way. I remember when the first person that that really ever came into my life and and started telling me about Jesus Christ, I was uh, about 19 years old. Now, of course, I I had grown up in a church and attended a church every now and then growing up, but um, I never knew the Jesus of the Bible. I never knew what He really, I, I knew that, that what others said about him, but but I never knew that I could know him personally. And there was there was a guy that, you know, and I've I've said this before in previous teachings, but there was a guy that that used to tell me how much Jesus loved me, how he had a plan for my life, how he wanted me to have peace within. And you know, I actually used to curse the guy out <laughs> and tell him that I didn't need to hear it, that I wanted nothing to do with it. The guy kept on telling me about it. And you know, and I finally came to that place where I surrendered my life to Him. And and I, I took my eyes off of everything else and said, you know what, I'm dying to this flesh of mine. You know, another scripture that we're not going to have time to turn to today, but it's Galatians 2.20. Maybe you can write it down. Um, Galatians 2.20 says that I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet it's not I that lives, it's Christ that lives in me and the life that i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god who gave himself for me who loved me and gave himself for me you see that's what that's what it's all about it's about surrendering dying to ourselves saying you know i'm going to trust in the lord with all of my heart and i'm not going to lean on my own understanding as it says in proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and jesus here is questioning philip And in verse 10, he says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. You see, Jesus is telling Philip here, Hey, believe. It's by faith. And the same holds true today. It's by faith. We're not going to comprehend everything. We may not understand how Jesus is in the Father, the Father's in Him, and and we're going to see as we study on, they're both going to come inside of us. (laughs) You know? But Jesus was teaching Philip uh, to walk by faith. And it's... Like I said, it's the same thing for you and I today. And like I quoted earlier, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Our faith grows as we continue to study the word of God. And that is why, like I said, I'm always just gonna stick close to it. I'm not gonna go off on the teachings of other men. and I really don't get much into the books that are written by other men or women. I I, I read the Bible. Because I know that it's a living word, that it does something within my heart to change me, to to continue to grow me in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But I get there by faith. You know, it's I I I know I'm sounding redundant here, but I think a lot of people miss this. That we walk by faith. You know, I I'd be lying if I tell you I've seen Jesus or I've seen heaven. Not the case. But for 24 years, I've continued to walk by faith. And that's, you know, that's not, you know, along the way, believe me, I've stumbled. I've tripped up. I've questioned. You know, I've questioned things over the years and and wondered. But I always just keep going back to the Bible. And that's why I, I have such a heart and a love and a desire to teach the Word of God now. Because I know the impact that it has had on my life. Jesus goes on here. In verse twelve, and he says, Most assuredly I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these, uh, he will do, because I go to my father. You see, today by faith we can step out and we can go and do a work of love. We can do you can do a work of love in your neighborhood. You can do a work of love through many different ways. You can step out and and show the love of Jesus to someone else by doing a good work for them. It's not earning your way to heaven. You don't earn your way there. We've already saw that. It's by grace, through faith. But we show the world the love of Jesus. We, We do those greater works than Jesus. Not that, you know, we're not... We might not go out and heal heal people. It's not greater works in the sense that it's better than the works that Jesus did. It's greater in the sense that there's more. There's more. The works of the Lord still go on today by His Holy Spirit working in and through His disciples today. The followers of Him. Them that love Him. Them that love His Word. And whatever you ask in my name, uh, Jesus says in verse 13... That I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you, how long? Forever. Who is that then? Well, look at verse 17. It's the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. How? for He dwells with you and will be in you. These are amazing verses of Scripture right here. You see, Jesus was again here. Remember, He's preparing the disciples for the fact that He was soon leaving and heading back to heaven. But, but while He was here, He was doing the great work of leading people to faith in Him. And now that He is gone, that work, still goes on today, like I said, through others going out and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. But in order to accomplish this work of spreading this good news of Jesus Christ, we need the power of the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus calls here the Spirit of Truth. And the Holy Spirit abides with us forever because He is in us. But the Holy Spirit is not known by all the people of the world, but rather He resides within those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, have surrendered, have died to the deeds of the flesh, have been dead, made dead to the flesh, and have been made alive spiritually, made alive in their spirit. And that's, we're made alive because the Holy Spirit is within us, and He comes within us. Let's turn Quickly to Romans chapter 8. Romans is to the right of the Gospel of John. It's right after the book of Acts. So, Romans chapter 8. And let's read uh, verse 13 and 14. It says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So you see, you come to that place where you are led by the Holy Spirit when you stop living according to to the desires of your flesh. You make the choice to stop. And at this point, you become a child of God. And in order to love others with God's love, remember we've talked about God's love, which is that agape love, that unconditional love. In order to love others with that unconditional love, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Because without the power of the Holy Spirit, without us being made alive spiritually, without us having that contentment, that peace, and that joy, and that unconditional love that the Holy Spirit brings within us, without that, it's impossible for us to love others. People will kick you off left and right. They'll cut you off on the road, or they'll do stupid things, or they'll do things, and you'll do stupid things, and... You know, on and on. We cannot rely on the flesh, not our own or other people's flesh. We must rely completely on God. And, when, and, and we rely on God when we surrender our lives and say, I'm done with me. It's not about me leading this life. It's come into my heart, Jesus. Make me new by your Holy Spirit. And then we just begin to walk by faith in that. We continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Him by reading His Word, and then we mature. And sooner or later, we find ourselves 10 years old in Jesus Christ. And we find ourselves 15 years old in Jesus Christ, and we look back and we say, oh my, how I've grown. But no, we look back and we say, thank you, Lord, because apart from you, I can do nothing. So there's never a point. You know, I, I, I've said it a couple of times, and even in this teaching alone, I've walked with the Lord 24 years, but it's not me. I mean, t- tonight I can go out and, and, and offend everybody on my block. You know, we all stumble. I need the Lord. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by His Spirit. And back in John chapter 14, Jesus continues to comfort the disciples. And he goes on to say in verse 18 of chapter 14, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will live. Also, so we have the promise of eternal life and we have the assurance that we will someday see Jesus face to face. We will someday inherit a kingdom that will never fade away as do the things of this earth. Jesus didn't leave us as orphans. He himself came to us. How? By His Holy Spirit coming within us. And because He lives, we live also. In other words, we have that abundant life. And remember, separate the two. Separate this physical life from that abundant spiritual life that Jesus gives to us. Because that's what Jesus is talking about here. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews is toward the back of your Bible. It's right after Philemon, and it's right before the book of James. Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, we're going to look down at verse 28. So hopefully you're there. Like I said, it's right after Philemon and right before the book of James. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 28. It says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. So you see, we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, so now let us be people of grace, and let us serve God, God by being people of grace. But we're going to see the face of God someday. And and because of that, we should live with reverence and godly fear. There should be in our lives a a putting off of one way of living and the putting on of another way of living. Turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Once again, Ephesians is between Galatians and Philippians. Now, this study is a little bit longer than what I normally do, but hang with me here because we're, we're getting close to being finished. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 21 through 32. It says, if indeed you have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay? So there we see, like I mentioned, a putting off, And every one of us, by nature of our birth, has an old man that needs to be put off. There's the shedding of the old and there's the receiving by faith of the new. Unfortunately, when we're born again, we do not receive a new body at that time. Wouldn't that be nice? I'd be 24 years old right now again. But we still carry around the same body that we were given at birth. It's just, for me, it's bigger. It's slower, it's got more wrinkles, it's weaker, etc., etc. But you see, we are renewed, where? In the spirit of our minds. It takes place on the inside, not on the outside. And it comes about through us coming to the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. And it goes on here in verse 24 to say that we put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. So there's the new man. There is that part of us, our spirit, that has been created in the image of God. And since our spirit is created in the image of God, it was created in true righteousness and holiness. And that's the new man that we put on. You know, And like I've said before, something happened way back in the Garden of Eden. Sin entered the picture by mankind's choice. But today, through repentance, we can make the choice to come to Jesus. And then on comes the new man. And from that point on, as it says here in verse 25, we begin to be different people. We put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands. What is good that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Think about all these things. But what is good for necessary edification? That's what we should be speaking speaking good things, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. You see, those right there are some of the attributes of the new man that gets put on. When we're made alive by the power of the Holy Spirit within us, we can live this way because Christ is our hope. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. That's why Jesus said we must be born again. We must be born of the Spirit. And turning back now to chapter 14 the Gospel of John. We'll go ahead and finish it up. But let's read verses 18 and 19. And then I'm going to read uh, right on in to verse 20. I know I've already read verse 18 and 19, but I want to read them right here in their context, right on into verse 20. So John chapter 14, verse 18. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you a little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. You see, we have a risen Lord. He's alive and He desires to not leave us alone in this world. He desires to be with us. We don't worship statues. We don't worship uh buildings and we don't worship other men and other women we worship a risen lord and a coming king he's coming back someday jesus is the way the truth and the life we're going to stop here for today but i really encourage you to continue to study the word of god continue to seek the lord in prayer Surrender your life to Him more and more with each passing day. God bless. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.